All right, our scripture reading is from Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 9. Hear the word. On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly hosts will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, of select foods, rich in flavor, of choice wines, well-refined. He will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all peoples, the shroud and shrouding all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe tears from every face. He will remove his people's disgrace from off the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. They will say on that day, look, this is our God for whom we have waited, and he has saved us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's be glad and rejoice in his salvation. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Give me patience and give it to me right now. Uh, you feel me? This is a feeling that, that we all have from, from time to time. It's difficult for us to see the benefits of waiting, whether if we're stuck in 280 traffic or whether the service at the local restaurant is, is really, really slow or we're waiting to hear back on a scholarship offer or on a new job. Patience is not our go-to response, is it? In fact, we would rather not wait altogether. Uh, did you know that Disney World used to have fast passes that were for free? Did y'all know about this? Uh, and now I think it's called the Lightning Lane, and you pay for this service through the Disney Genie app. And, and you know why they charge us for that, don't you? because they know we'll pay it. <laughs> they know that we don't want to wait. Uh, have you ever heard someone say, don't pray for patience? <laughs> Yet patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about in his letter to the Galatians. Do you remember those? The fruits of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Yet, you don't hear too many people say, hey, whatever you do, don't pray for joy. <laughs> you know, it, is our view of God so shallow <laughs> that we think that God's going to punish us if we pray to grow in our faith? We're in uh, the second week of a sermon series that we're calling Becoming Resilient. Uh, and resilient just simply means it's defined as being able to withstand something and recover quickly. The ability to be able to bounce back. And as Jesus followers, we need to be resilient. Becoming resilient will help us focus on what really matters. Uh, in this series, what we're doing is we're taking four Hebrew words and looking at them and seeing how the Old Testament world would use these words to be 
resilient, to be able to bounce back from their struggles. You know, one of the things that I think that, that we often forget, I know, I know I often forget, is that our holy scriptures are translated through an ancient language. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I was a part-time youth director, and I was at our um, local Christian bookstore looking for material to help me in this part-time job. And uh, a lady comes in, an older lady, and the little bell on the door rings, and she looks at the clerk, and she says, I want an original version of the Bible. The clerk didn't skip a beat. He goes, ma'am, we're fresh out of Greek and Hebrew right now. <laughs> we know what she was looking for, don't we? She was looking for the King James Version. It's always difficult to translate something from one language to another. English doesn't always get the nuances that the Hebrew language is trying to teach us. And sometimes scholars are left with not picking a word to translate, but picking the best word that they can find to interpret what this ancient text is saying. Last week, Pastor Maggie talked to us about the word walk and how for us to be resilient, we need to journey with people. You know, we realize that walk in the Hebrew doesn't mean we're going to walk across the street and borrow a cup of sugar. Walk means we are bonded and that we journey together. Today, we are looking at the word hope. Now, hope in Hebrew is the word tikva. The root word in tikva means to wait. To hope for something is closely tied to waiting for something to happen. Now, people in the scriptures did not view hope as simply being optimistic. They, they, they didn't say, hey, Jesus, take the wheel. Everything's going to work out okay. I've known many faithful Christians. Some of them will travel to Africa and other places and do mission work, and they'll say, I don't need to take the malaria meds because God's taking care of me. <laughs> this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a blind faith. Isaiah gives us a good look at how God's people used waiting to give them the hope to withstand the struggles of life. Now, we're going to be using Isaiah all throughout this series uh, to help us become more resilient because Isaiah uh, was written to uh, multiple generations. We, we can at least pick out three generations, and, and most scholars agree that Isaiah is one of those texts that transcends generations, meaning that it's definitely a good word for us today. Now, these three generations experienced a lot of disruption and a lot of oppression. They see both Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, fall. 
Judah is conquered by the Babylonians and Israel is conquered by the Assyrians, which forces people into a life of captivity. Isaiah gives God's people a way to become resilient by offering them hope. And this hope comes through the form of a suffering servant and the hope of the Messiah who will come and make things right. Now, in the text that Brett, 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 Brett read for us today, uh, Isaiah 25, Isaiah 24 and Isaiah 25 are proclaiming Isaiah's apocalyptic message. Isaiah is proclaiming that the earth's inhabitants will be reduced to a remnant. Yet, even in that, we see these beautiful, hopeful words written to the people. Isaiah 25, verse 6 says, On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast. Isaiah is giving people who are in captivity, who are oppressed, the hope that one day they will be at the table and enjoying a banquet. And then Isaiah goes on to say that God swallows up all death. And then he's going to wipe away tears from every one's eyes. And then he closes with this. They will say on that day, look, this is our God for whom we have waited and he has saved us. This is the Lord from whom we have waited. Let's be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The Hebrew word here that is translated wait can also be translated as hope. The very thing that they hope for will happen. God will show up and God will prove that the worst things in life aren't the last things in life. The final chapter in God's story ends with everyone at the table. Putting our hope in God will help us become resilient so that we can focus on what really matters. The problem is, we don't like to wait. We want it right now. Now, one of the things that I believe to be true about transformation is that it doesn't happen overnight. Transformation takes small changes over time so that bigger things can happen. Uh, I like to call this bridging the gap between who we are right now and who God knows that we can be. Now, don't confuse that with being enough. I believe that you, we, are already enough. God already loves us the full amount Bridging the gap is our response to that love 
that God gives us. Now, transformation takes one of those fruits of the patient, or one of those fruits of the spirit, right? Patience. But more than that, the ability to hope for something and for us not to get so irritated and frustrated. I'm just going to lift up just a few things of what I think that we can begin to do, make those small changes in our life so that we can bridge that gap. Uh, The first thing I want to talk about is that it's not all about you. Uh, When everything becomes about us, when everything becomes about our needs, we get impatient. Let's face it. It's not hard to make things about yourself, is it? It's pretty easy. And we see this all in the church world as well. A good example is what uh, many churches throughout United Methodism have been going through with discerning what their next step should be. When, When you make it about you and your beliefs and what you think, then it's pretty simple. You can come up with an answer pretty quickly. The problem is, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. And when it's about us, we have to wait and not be impatient and not make decisions that will harm each other. Now, we've taken some criticism uh, on our team with how, uh, with moving too slowly through this discernment process. But I'm pretty proud that we have taken the steps to listen to as many voices as possible as we go through this because we trust that God is going to do what God said he's going to do. Uh, one of the things that I think we can do to make it not so much about us is to just have the courage to let some things be broken. A lot of times we get impatient because we want to fix it. We want to make it better. And for sure, There are things in life that we need to get on pretty quick and fix, yes. But much of the time, (laughs) we mess it up when we jump in there and try and fix something rather than just waiting and trusting and being with people in the moment. Another thing that I think we can do to learn to wait is examine our core. Take a deep dive into who God is calling you to be. If we're gonna be able to bounce back, then we need to center our relationship on God so that we know what matters. What are the things that are important for us to do as Jesus followers? When we know what really matters, 
then we can do a better job of trusting in him and waiting for our next move. Uh, One of the best ways for us to examine our core is to listen. Uh, I'm terrible at this. I am most of the time when I'm talking to someone, I'm not listening to them. I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say next (laughs) rather than just breathing and listening. And when we don't listen to each other, we miss the opportunity to be blessed by someone who may have a different perspective than we do. Another good way to examine our core is to take up the practice of journaling. Uh, One of the benefits that journaling has for people is that it slows your mind down and helps you put things in perspective. Uh, If you get our weekly email, we call it Modern Midweek, uh, I have a bridge the gap section that we do each, each week, and this week I talked a little bit about journaling, about writing down things that you can be grateful for. Now, if, if you don't get that email and you would like to, it's pretty simple to get uh, on the, in your attendance folders if you'll grab it again and go back to where you put your name and you can mark. Uh, I think it says more information or I'd like to get email updates or something like that. You can just check that. We'll put you in. Or you can go to the Asbury Beeham website and at the very bottom of the homepage, there's a place to sign up for students, children, and you'll see Modern Midweek right there. For us to really examine our core, we need to listen, and then we need to seek out others. Y'all, we're not meant to live this life alone. I'm not talking about being married or single. I'm talking about a community of believers that we can come together and journey, walk with each other in our faith. Uh, Sunday morning worship's a great place to do that. Small groups, we have them during Sunday school, we have some on Wednesday night. Those are great places too. On May the 21st, uh, we're gonna have a a worship night, our third worship night here at Modern. It'll be in the evening. If you've never been to one of those, that's an excellent place to bond with people and worship together in a new and different way. The last thing I want to lift up for us with learning to wait is take a break. It seems like almost every other week I get up here and I talk about how busy we are. It's because I do. It's because I believe with all of my being that our busyness is one of the things that keeps us from faithfully following Jesus. You know, and we wear that busyness like a badge of honor. Uh, people will say, hey, so how are you doing? Oh, man, that's crazy busy this week. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to fit you in. Uh, have you ever been on a flight when they try to get people to volunteer to take another flight because they've overbooked? and they'll, they'll throw out points or vouchers to get you to hop on another flight. Uh, and, and then they'll come back on, and that voucher's gone up, you know, and Tracy and I will look at each other and go, is that worth it? I mean, that's a lot of money there to fly around. One airline, and I wish I could remember the name of the airline, but 
it's long out of my brain. Started texting their uh, um, customers that are on the flight that they needed people to give up their seat and they would give them money. They found that, that they were able to get a quicker response and use less incentives. And they speculate it's because in public, people don't want to admit that they have time and can, and can miss a flight. We are just so busy. And scriptures talk about our need for rest, our need to get away, our need to spend time with God. You know, next to Jesus, Paul probably did more to spread Christianity than any other human being. And just before Paul started his ministry, do you remember what he was doing? He was wiping out Christians. He was trying to get rid of this new way of following God. And then he has this amazing conversion experience and turns the other way. Did you know he spent three years studying, praying, and resting before he started this new journey? And Jesus took time out of his daily schedule quite often to take a break, to rest, and to pray. Uh, the scriptures talk about Sabbath, taking that break, Sabbath is an invitation for us to experience God in a new way. And we humans, we tend to overcomplicate things. Did y'all know that? And back in the ancient world, they had all these rules for observing the Sabbath. And Jesus was being criticized one day for doing work on the Sabbath because he was helping people. And Jesus said this in Mark 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. God wants us to take a break. He wants us to breathe. He wants us to focus. And, and as you begin to build downtime in your day, as you take those small steps to do that, I want to encourage you to think of what Jesus did when he stepped away to pray. There were two things that were in common with most of those times in the Bible. One, he stepped away to pray, to spend time with God. And two, he stepped away to be with his disciples, his family, his friends, by making rest a regular practice in our life, it'll help us have the resilience to focus on what really matters in life. You know, I kind of started by talking about the nuances of English and Hebrew language. And, and the use of hope in the English has a bit of uncertainty to it. Uh, let me give you an example. I hope that the New Orleans Saints win the Super Bowl this year. There's a little bit of uncertainty to that, right? <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. It's totally different in the Hebrew language. Hope in the Hebrew has a bit of certainty 
to it. It was going to happen. Your hope in God in the Hebrew language meant that you believe and trusted that God was going to do what God says he's going to do. Uh, in the New Testament, in Hebrews, the, the writer talks about Abraham having the patience to hold on to the promises of God. Now, hope in the Hebrew also is connected with the word cord. Cord meaning something you hold on to. And, and they would think of it as a cord being attached to something that was bigger than yourself. And so the Hebrew writer talking about Abraham having hope in the promises of God. Let's, let's take a look at this verse. Uh, so these are two things that don't change, talking about God's promises, because it's impossible for God to lie. He did this so that we have taken refuge in him, can be encouraged to grasp the hope that is lying in front of us. This hope, which is safe and secure, which is a safe and secure anchor for our whole being. When we wait on God, we are putting our trust in God and our hope in God that God is going to do what God says he's going to do. And we can hold on to that in times of trouble and in times of uncertainty because God will not let us down. We'll let each other down. But God is not going to let us down. And putting our hope in God will help us be resilient so that we can focus on the things that really matter. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for giving us this community of people. Help us to wait on you with the confidence that we know that you are going to make things right. In Jesus' name, amen.